Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the official Cella Toys podcast. I am Pablo, and with me is the killer bee to my Macaulay Culkin in My Girl. <laughs> it's Joey Knight. Hello. Hello. I'm going to be the death of you. Oh, my goodness. It's your favorite little plastic man, uh, Joey Knight. Everyone's favorite variant. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing, as always. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. How many ver- how many figures do you have now? Just to confirm. Eight. Eight. <laughs> eight. Eight. Eight variants so far. You are seven Shella times. variant champion. Mm-hmm. You're seven times the wrestler of nails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, who's never had a figure? Who's the biggest name who's never had a figure, do you think, at this point? That'll be hard now. I think everyone has. There's one or two that have slipped through the cracks. Buddy, Rod- Buddy Rogers, maybe. Someone like that. Because he's a former WWF champion. And he should have had a figure by now. If he has in some obscure line, I do apologize. But I don't think he ever has. Um, Friar Ferguson. Nothing. Man Mountain Rock. Zero. <laughs> Need I continue? Mm-hmm. Did you listen to the uh, interview that I did with uh, with Rob Bartlett? Yes, I did. And I loved it. Sent me back back to the good old days watching Monday Night Raw. So we understand that uh, because uh, the the Cella team has had a a slight upgrade and, uh, you know, uh, communication is hopefully going to be better going forward and stuff like that. That means including posts on the Cella Instagram page. Uh, So we understand that this will be really one of the first posts of the Cello Toys podcast on the Instagram page. So, you know, we want to say hello. And uh, we just kind of talk nonsense for a bit. And uh, we also bring you up to date with Cello News. Uh, Occasionally we get given like the exclusive announcement and all that kind of thing. But uh, today's episode is an interview with B. Brian Blair, who has a Cello figure coming up. So do check out the archives as well on bbgwrestling.com. There are interviews with a lot of people who have had cello figures as well as deep dives and uh, just lots of fun to be had. We, we try to have fun. We try not to make it too serious on this podcast, but the previous episode was with Rob Bartlett, which was like a huge, huge deal. I've interviewed former world champions. I've interviewed Joey Knight, you know what I mean? But like this one was, uh, <laughs> this one was like a biggie for me. And he did say that he came up with the name Friar Ferguson which was uh, which was pretty mind blowing. Um, so that was a long way to get round to that point that I just made. But we speak nonsense, but it's always like cello related nonsense or wrestling related nonsense. So it's fine. But yeah, that Rob Bartlett interview just sent me back because that is like I still watch those episodes of Raw, even though some people say they're not the best representation Ooh, of the product. I'll fight them to any me, day. I'll, pre- I'll pretend to, to fight them any day of the week. Uh, <laughs> To right. me, that is just the ultimate. That it didn't get better than that for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to know that you interviewed him is like, and he doesn't do that many interviews, so it was just, it was so cool, and he was really, really, really cool in it, which is even better. There's not a lot of interviews with him, and I would dare say, I mean, one of them was Sean Mooney. I think one was maybe Figure Four Weekly, um, and he's done a couple of others. But I would say that he has never been interviewed by a true, true, genuine fan of that period who could really really deep dive i would say that this is probably the most in-depth interview with rob bartlett on that period of uh, mm-hmm. monday night roll that he was there the rob bartlett oeuvre, oeuvre as he uh as he called it <laughs> <laughs> 
and he's very self-deprecating as well because we know that like you know some of his uh, commentary is dated as hell i mean it probably wasn't that great then but uh you know, if you want to get my full unvarnished uh, love of uh that era of 1993 as well uh there's another show that i host called a uh, turn chuckle which is on the same website and there's also some stuff hands off the merchandise and uh, i've been able to recently just to let you know who i am uh take part in uh some inside the ropes uh, magazine stuff as well you'll see my pog collection my wwf pog collection oh i'll i'll you know and that's the thing everyone has their little areas i'll challenge my pod collection against anyone's WWF pod collection in the world. Um, you know, because I, I live in 1995, 19, about 92 to 97 is where I live, basically. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, That's my brain stop. My brain stopped working after 97. I'm stuck <laughs> in that phase too. And I just, I'm so excited to hear you talk about your pogs because I told you that I think the last episode I said, while training in the dungeon, we would go home on the bus because we didn't have a car because we were broke. And we would stop at the gas station because they had WWF pogs when you bought a Slurpee or whatever. So we'd have Slurpee. Slurpee, looking at our Lex Luger and our Bastion Booger Pogs. It was like the, the dream. When I close my eyes, I think of my happy place. It's there. Me and the sexy monkey <laughs> looking at our Pogs while slipping on a, sipping on a Slurpee. And uh, you see, yeah, that was some alliteration that could have went horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as well, again, though, for first-time listeners, uh, we should probably update them on an announcement that you made about the, uh, about the sexy monkey and some potential future well some definite future news yes definite future news the cella toys designer absolutely amazing we love you tippy he is currently working day and night uh putting together the prototype for the sexy monkey robin nightwing all-nighters figure you can't have the joe vereen joey knight without his tag team partner in crime the sexy monkey so he will be coming sooner or later you know how the toy business works but yeah we should be able to prevail like pre- prevail prevail we will prevail uh we will reveal we will prevail all of a sudden justice will prevail <laughs> yeah <laughs> we will reveal the sexy monkey prototype as soon as tippy's perfected it yeah, oh, wonderful. And um, for those who may have missed out as well, I mean, if you if you missed the um, Inside the Ropes interview that Charles did, a very, very rare interview with uh, Charles, certainly, I can't even get him on. Um, the elusive Charles, yes. <laughs> uh, he mentioned, for those who missed it, and I feel like th- this could be like mind-blowing news to some people, but he said it in the article that there was going to be an antlers and fur uh, barbarian at some point. Um, and Bill Eady mentioned on the interview that I did with him uh, that there's going to be some potential mass superstar goodness uh, coming, which uh, I, I really lost my mind over because I love the mass superstar. Like we, we didn't have enough time. That's the only thing. And uh, you know, today's interview with Brian Blair, he was like, because he's a busy man. He's like a mayor or so. He's a president of the yeah, yeah, Alley I- club. He's just, you know, he does everything. Um, yeah, Cauliflower Alley, which I need to make an appearance. I keep getting asked to go to that. It's in Vegas, and it, but I know it's a big party, party week, not even weekend. So I have to emotionally, physically prepare to go do Cauliflower Alley. But I know he's a big deal there. And he's like, he is, I keep saying this, he's a mayor or something in Tampa where I <laughs> used to live and I will be living again. I'm just making a brief stop for a couple of years here in the UK. Um, and I need to see, yeah, I need to see what he's been up to. Sorry, Brian. Um, we should know what position you have. We're going to say King, King of Florida. I think he's the King of Tampa, King Florida. B, King B of Florida. It's there you king. go. 
Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I had a fun interview with Brian and um, we, he, because he, he was like, right, I've got 40 minutes and I was like, right, okay, let's, let's try and cram it all in there. But he's such a succinct, well-spoken uh, dude. I mean, being a politician as well, you know what I mean? And he knows his career so well, and which is great. And he also knows his own merchandise well. So we talk about his other figures. Um, he does. <laughs> I told Charles about this. He mentions a name of a cello signee, which hasn't been announced yet. Um, and I'll tell you, Joey, off air, but um, <laughs> I have to bleep it out. But I told Charles, I was just like, look, I'm going to bleep that name out because he only mentions it once and there's no way it'll give away who it is. Um, but I was just like, oh, Brian, you can't say that. Uh, but he didn't know. So, you know, but um, I think these wrestlers just all meet up with each other and talk about their cello figures, which is great. Um, because the thing is, as well, from what I understand, some signings have happened as a recommendation from some wrestlers to other wrestlers and stuff like that. And then dealings have been made. I mean, it's way above my pay grade, um, what happens there. But, uh, you know, the... the from our point of view, and the wrestlers have said this as well, is that the working relationship between the wrestler and uh, Tippy or Charles uh, is really good and respectful. And they do listen to, you know, when changes have to be made, such as the Haku action or Blue Meanie's uh, Bone Crusher uh, artwork being changed a different color or the Adam bomb crotch piece, all that kind of thing. So it does result in delays sometimes. And I feel like it's worth seeing this, especially if there's a lot of first time listeners as well, because we know that people have been waiting for stuff. I uh, do check out the Instagram because updates are being made. Uh, you have to bear in mind as well that when you pre-order things take a while, this is every company, every company does this, you know, and uh, you know, the, the, if anything though, Chella is gonna be more uh what's the word sort of i don't want to say better more you know constant with like keeping people updated with the important stuff there's no point in telling you every single minute piece of information because one that'll you know it will bore people and it will um it'll get lost in people's feeds but the email address is available for people to contact as well. That's going to be the main form of contact for any kind of query. I mean, serious query, you know what I mean? You're like, don't ask us when, or suggest a figure or something like that, because, like, you know, I don't think any company would get back to you on that. But, um, you know, emails are being answered, put that way. And um, we are aware of this and uh, the top, tippy top people in Chella are aware of this as well. And, uh you know, it's a small company run by not many people and they are thankful and we are thankful that there is such a large audience for Chala product out there and uh, it, we are handling it and uh, doing the best we can and we appreciate it's 99% positivity and then a small percent of like understandable queries and, you know, whatever. But then, you know, every company also has negativity, but that's fine. That's it. All positivity. That's what I love about, you know, cello toys is that there's a very positive fan base. A lot of them are, are adult collectors and adult collectors know it, toys take time, people. It takes a lot of time. And most of these 
figures are brand new molds and molding. Let me tell you, because I've been in the toy business with cello, my own action figure, the molds take forever. And that's that's the long bit of the toy making industry. But I mean, cello is is rocking it, I think. They're, they're not actually missing the mark on delivery dates for the most part. And let's not forget there was a, you know, coronavirus that was floating around that's still floating around. So that's putting a few things on hold, but I mean, so far so good that you can see the Instagram page is getting updated quite regularly now. And like you said, the emails are up and running and I have found out what Brian Blair does in Tampa, Florida. He (laughs) is the district six county commissioner for Hillsborough County. That's where I lived. So maybe I'll go back there, see if I can get any, you know, favors, get me a cheap house, Brian Blair. Mm-hmm. A beehive, a beehive for me and my family. <laughs> so yeah, I I just felt like it was worth getting out there because I know we may have a lot of new listeners and stuff. Email the email address. It's getting, it's it's being more structured than it has been. Um, because again, it's a small team. I can't stress that enough. So your patience is very much appreciated and will be rewarded by all of the cello stuff that is making its way to the UK in the next. Uh, I believe next couple of weeks according to that mm-hmm. post i mean everything the three different dynamites yes free because everyone was like what and i was just like well uncensored and the two um the two wrestling megastars dynamites and um and everything else as well things it seems like one of those you know you two buses come along at once sort of thing it's like all the figures are happening at the same time which is great and uh <laughs> even i questioned i asked you about the three because i've ordered all three i've got all three dynamites even the mustached one uh and the uncensored one because i happened to be privy to see some pics of it and i thought oh sold because it looks so good i can't reveal but i've seen the finished product <laughs> at least very close to finished and it looks so good that i had to Mm-hmm. purchase right away are you just worried that he's going to have more variants than you <laughs> yes i'm highly concerned about that <laughs> you could do like a because his last match in the wbf when he had the mustache as well um it was a 20 man tag team match so you could have 20 joeys against uh 20 <laughs> 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 I, I like, like the idea the though of like well you're the face in the situations oh no you'd be the heel in the situation so we'd have to have conquistador joey we'd have to have oh, oh, um, yeah. oh, demolition yeah. oh no demolition to be made so powers of pain so we don't demolition need to be made well i can borrow the 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 killer bees mask and be killer bee joey pop the head off of that because i got the end Ooh, i wonder if the heads will change with mine i'll find out maybe i'll put that <laughs> on the instagram channel you yeah yeah. Can you pop off Joey's head and replace it with the killer bees? <laughs> Don't do it if you bought one of those variants that now go for like no, there was silly money on eBay. So don't pop your Joey heads off. Don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so we know that the Al Snow figure is coming soon as well. And we, we should really talk about series two. Now we went heavily in depth on series two. Uh we said it was the greatest July 4th since uh Luger body slammed Yokozuna on the Intrepid. Um but it's worth uh, knowing as well that the the variant uh, Blue Meanie with the painted stubble is going to be available, not just through Wrestling Asylum, but it's going to be available in the UK eventually. That's all we know at the moment. Uh, until Because I, I, I basically poke Charles like a piñata until information comes out from sometimes. So, um, yeah, that will be available. Don't worry, dear UK. Uh, dear UK fans. Right. Currently, yeah, the one with the marker, the marker beard. 
the the classic mini marker beard. Uh, yeah, it's it's American right now. You can actually get it on Wrestling Asylum, correct? And Wrestling Asylum has been really good as well with doing uh, different um, uh, bundles. Like you can get Haku and Tangaloa together, or you can get the the BWO together if you don't want. Because again, though, I mean, one thing we've always said about Shadow, which I love, is the sheer range of names. Uh, that they're doing so it's not going to be something for everyone although it seems everyone's collecting everything at the moment which is wonderful um but you know if if you don't if you're not as into say big daddy you may be into luna vachon i mean in what other world are they going to end up you know in the same line ever again (laughs) that's one of the reasons i'm buying everything and anything from cello because it just looks so cool and it's so different on your shelf to see so many different era wrestlers and personalities side by side by side. So it's even, it's even more fun to just get all these crazy ones and see what a crazy roster you can make. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, here's a, here's a fact. Um, I'm selling my classic superstars Haku for a, a reasonable amount of money. Cause that's a rare figure, but yeah. for me, it does not hold the candle to the new Haku figure. That is for the first time, a, a specific crown molded for him. That's never happened on a Haku figure before. Um, the the very first Haku figure was going to be a King Haku, and then they changed it to Islander Haku, and it, it said Crown does not come with Crown as illustrated. So we made a big <laughs> deal to say it does come with Crown as illustrated. Um, you know, correct color ring attire because the previous one didn't hit the mark on that. The facial likeness wasn't really a face that Haku would pull. It was kind of saved, reused for a Meng figure, basically. Um, so this, to me, is the perfect... Haku forget, and I can't wait. If I had one criticism, and I think Chella knew what they were doing here, is that they didn't put the crown on him in the box. They've put it separately. So now I've obviously got to buy two to open one to put the crown on his head because I want to keep <laughs> it Because it's in the classic blue packaging as well, which, I mean, it's, it's just inspired because that – talk about a coloured box that needs to fit in with your Series 1s, etc. It's this King Haku figure, and uh, I'm, I'm so excited about it. Um, so – I'm guessing that's oh, the one you're looking one. forward to for, for your set, basically. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take that crown off him. I'm ripping it open. You're going to put it on Joey. Joey in the house. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> but I was just going to interject and say that that King Haku is the one that across the board I've not seen a negative word about at all. Mm-hmm. Like, all, all the criticism has been just rave reviews. There's not been anyone saying it should be this, it should be that, or anything. Every single person from the casual fan who knows of it to the hardcore fan absolutely loves and thinks it's just a perfect figure so far and and also as well the uh the hollywood nova um so the dream match can happen is it i keep forgetting is it hollywood jogan or is it uh yeah i guess i guess it'd be jogan it's whatever you know nw joe nw joe so on that note whatever is not going to get me copyright infringement (laughs) so on that note uh we're going to go straight into our interview with b brian blair and uh we hope you enjoy it and myself and joey will be back next week for a deep dive or something or we'll report on whatever mental thing chella's done so yes see you all next time see you next time well, it is an honor, it is pr- a privilege to be here with you on the Cella Podcast, Cella Toys Podcast. I'm excited. You know, Brunzi and I are buzzing. We've been talking about these new action figures for a long time. We've had action figures, you know, since uh, we were wee young chaps uh, running around in the World Wrestling Federation days. And um, actually, I think I have one here. Um, yeah, like uh, reach back over here beside Mr. Wonderful. And uh <laughs> bring you here 
this is actually one of the first uh, action oh. figures <laughs> that we had. And I want to show you the advancement, how, how good Chella is. That's the reason for showing this. These were just rubber dolls and, you know, kids play with them. They could barely stand up. Actually, half of them stood and half of them didn't stand because Brunzi's was always complaining, hey, my doll won't stand up. My action figure won't stand up. Then came along the Jack specific uh, action figures. And, you know, they were an improvement. Um, but um, and then we also had, you know, both of them came in tag teams, the uh, LJN uh, original ones. We had the belts because we were always supposed to win the belts uh, in the WWEF. And we will talk about that in a little bit. But those were the tag ones had the mass for mass confusion. But let's move on to the Grandmaster Flash, if you will, big sex. Ah, Brian Lawler, forgive me. God bless you, my friend. Um, I only have my phone, but as soon as it focuses, um, <laughs> you will be able to see, I believe, will it focus there? It goes a little bit. Can can you see that or not? We see it well. And and the thing is, as well, we, we've shared it everywhere, and everyone is... Uh, Fully so familiar of the uh, the figures, and what what I love about these cello figures, and I'm not just saying this because it's the cello podcast, but they come with alternate heads for mass confusion. But it's not just the same head; it's a different face underneath the mask as well. So you can tell that you know who's Brian, who's Jim. I know you're not meant to really, but there are different expressions underneath the mask. So a lot of effort's been put into these, and uh, yeah, very very excited that. The Killer Bees are going to be part of the official Cello Toys line. It's great stuff. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, Jimmy's excited. Um, and I know our fans are excited, too. I've talked to a few people that uh, <clears throat> are close, uh, a few people that will soon be uh, uh, joining uh, the Cello crew. And um, when I showed them the, uh, the conceptual drawings, they went, wow. These people are creative. And I said, yes, they are. And they're very kind people as well, which is nice. You know, it's great dealing with a great product, but it's even better when you're dealing with good people. And, you know, all the people have been wonderful. Luke, everybody, um, just just super people at uh, Cello Toys. I've enjoyed uh, uh, speaking with all of them. That's great. That's one thing that I always hear as well, that there is a lot of respect shown from uh, the guys from Chella. And I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to run their podcast and get it in. Look, I get all of the fun stuff. I get to interview some of my favorite wrestlers of all time. It's a, it's amazing that I get to do this. And once in a while, I, I'm able to sort of offer ideas with regards to ring gear and stuff like that. And uh, it's lovely to have that kind of uh, creative input sometimes. Um, so one thing that interested me about the... Uh, you know, because we can talk about your previous figures as well, um, is with the, the single uh, Jax figures, um, it was like series 24, I want to say. I'm a nerd. I shouldn't know this stuff, but I do. Um, now, they were re-releases of the double pack, but they came with the bandanas. Right. In, in that series was also the British Bulldogs, and they came with like these molded British Bulldog T-shirts that were sold as merchandise back in the day. What I was hoping for was that the Killer Bees were going to wear the Killer Bees T-shirts like on your poster behind you, um, sure. that they were going to be part of oh, that figure. Um, yeah, th those posters are wonderful. Oh. Yeah. yeah, those posters. I've got the whole collection, actually. Uh, I mean, from for like 30 of the guys, 30 posters, you know, that just from all the different uh, guys that were around back then. 
you know, some of them are gone. You know, each day we get a little bit older, so it's it's great to be hanging on. Yeah, I know uh, Paul Ondoff is a, a friend throughout the decades, was um, one that kind of hit you hard. One thing, because we saw the video of him in the, in the, I guess, in the care home, but then the last photograph was him back home and he was having a beer. And I think that's how, you know, it's a great, a be- much better way to remember him. Um, and as someone who, what was he like? Because, I mean, I'm guessing he was basically like his character. Like, he would take no nonsense. Um, he, I, I, I'd imagine very funny, but one of the most cutting personalities if you tried to get into a war of words with him or something like that. <laughs> well, I've had a lot of fun with Paul. Um, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to read um, uh, Truth Be Told. Um, We're going to talk about that. There's a there's a ton of Paul Orndorff stories in there. As a matter of fact, I would say uh, at least 20% of the book is Paul Orndorff, which probably about 20% of the book is Paul Orndorff stories. And uh, um, a lot of them were left off. This I had almost a thousand pages written, and we had to condense that. Uh, it took me almost two years. And Ian Douglas is amazing uh, author. And so I, I'm giving Ian all these stories and he's loving them. But he says, Brian, man, we, if, once we put the pictures in, because I have a lot of photos that nobody's ever seen before, um, some with Mr. Wonderful too. Um, and um, he said, we've got to whittle this down. Can't have a thousand page book. So uh, anyway, we uh, got it down to uh, like 450 pages, somewhere around there with photos and everything but uh i feel very compelled to write a truth be told too because uh a sequel and uh, uh there's just so many good interesting stories um and the book right now you know it's a five-star rated book on amazon um uh, i've never had a person yet say that they didn't enjoy it and i tell everybody if you buy the book and and if you if you don't like it, and I mean this with all my heart and soul, if for some reason you're a wrestling fan and you buy the book with good intentions and you don't like the book, I'll give you double your money back. And that's the honest truth. I will. I will give anybody that says, nah, I didn't like that. Uh, it didn't really interest me. I'll be more than happy to give you twice your money back because I promise you, you'll be entertained. I mean, it's, it's a lot of Paul Orndorff, but you've got um, Dusty Rhodes and Andre the Giant and, you know, Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch and the Bulldogs and just, uh, you know, guys that I really admired in the business, guys that I had a lot of fun with and um, oh, some some great Tommy Billington, Davy Boy Smith stuff. <laughs> guys, Mr. Fuji. Oh, boy. And um, both. Uh... Davy Boy and Dynamite are also receiving Chella action figures as well. And uh, along with guys like they're, they're making so many tag teams, they're making the powers of pain, demolition, uh, killer bees, the bulldogs. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing thing. And obviously I, the synopsis of your book is amazing to read because it, it talks about a lot of the subjects that are going to be in the, that are in the book including you know why you had your mustache for a long time it's like it seems like everything is covered every question that anyone could ever want to ask is covered <laughs> in this book and um i know that it was it was published through a wohw publishing and um myself and uh kenny casanova 
uh, get along quite well and uh, we've had some interviews and stuff like that so what I'm surprised I was kind of surprised that you didn't co-author with Kenny because Kenny co-authored with Bruce Beefcake Kamala everyone else was there a decision behind your co-author um, and why you went with that person yeah um originally I <laughs> I was going with uh going to author with uh, another gentleman that's a uh, a very popular writer that writes um uh, fiction. And I read um, uh, a friend of mine who's been a friend of mine for a long time, Bugsy, <coughs> Bugsy McGraw, uh, Mike Davis is his real name. I read uh, uh, the, the Brute, um, the book that uh, Ian wrote, uh, Brutus, um, I think that's the name of it, Brutus, the Brute, the Brute. Um, and uh, maybe that's not quite the name of it. Anyway, uh, it's something like that. And because uh, he Bugsy had a few different characters. He was the brute and um, uh, just uh, um, a host of characters along the road. And um, Mike is such a great guy. Uh, one of my heroes, Jack Briscoe, uh, before he he died, um, Mike was actually his nurse because Mike became a nurse after the business. And uh, when I was younger, you know, Bugsy kind of scared me. Uh, I'd watch him and, you know, he, even though he was kind of a baby face character, he was really uh, like uh, whacked out kind of. And so you'd want to see him uh, work with uh, or wrestle um, uh, King Curtis. Um, a lot of the people, Dusty would grab him as a tag team partner when he had like um, uh, um, Paul, um, not Paul the um uh, did they do Joe LaDuke, Joe LaDuke, the Canadian freight train. Remember Joe? Oh yeah. He's a uh, scary character. I remember when he looked at me one time and I wasn't really smartened up. I wasn't in the business and kayfabe was big then. And he knew I was training to become a wrestler. And, uh, he was, he, him and dusty were fighting in the armory in Tampa. And, uh, they started up the stairs kind of where I was at. And, uh, he nailed dusty and came up the stairs and then he looked at me and he said you're next you're next young man you're next and it i just you know kind of melted down and it scared the crap out of me and i thought oh my gosh i don't know if i want to get in this business or not he's already wanting to kick my ass you know <laughs> so, anyway, so just little childhood memories that uh um i'll never forget I guess a lot of protection around the business at that point as well and and obviously people were legitimately scary like Joe LaDuke and uh, and the Vichons, et cetera, as well. So at what point um, was it pre, before you got into the business that you realized that it was a work or was it slowly introduced to you? Were you already in the business when you were like learning as you were well, going? I'm going to answer like that? both your questions, Paul. I'm going to go back and answer. Uh, why I chose Ian Douglas. So I read the, Bugsy's book and it just enamored me. I said, wow, is this book well written? And it was so interesting because it took me back into uh, people that I had only Lonnie Maine, these different characters that I had only heard of. And, uh, you know, the Iron Sheik, the original Iron Sheik, I really didn't understand it, Eddie Farhat. But after I read the book, it was it was done so well that, you know, I couldn't wait to read the next page. So um, long story short, um, I uh, asked Ian 
to come aboard and Ian was friends with Kenny. And uh, so um, Kenny did some backdoor stuff for Ian and um, uh, Ian is just a tremendous writer. But uh, uh, going into uh, the next half of your question was, uh, about sort of kayfabe and you being introduced yeah kayfabe so yeah. everything was kayfabe um when we when i started in the business i broke in at 106 north albany street um we called it the dungeon the sportatorium where we filmed television in tampa and there was no air conditioning in there and they would film television and open the doors up and put the big fans on and it only held about 300 people and it would be cool enough with all the doors open and the fans to to bear it but they would close all the doors because they didn't never wanted anybody to be seen training in there, even if you were beating the crap out of each other. Um, they never wanted anybody to be seen. And, and then you had the that, I don't know how many watt light that was, like 10,000 watt light over the ring that was just so hot. And so like the, the first day I trained with Matsuda, you know, I puked all over the place. And, you know, the, the next day, you know, I puked again. And, I, I just, it was, it was brutal. I mean, we had to do so many uh, squats, Hindu squats and so many push-ups, and then get in the ring and wrestle, wrestle, shoot, wrestle, amateur wrestle. And uh, then they'd stretch you, you know, and finally you just roll out. And the, the third time I was in there with Matsuda, I rolled out of the ring and he jumps out right away because he wants to see me throw up. So and finally I kind of got my breath and there was no throw up and, so Matsuda grabbed me by the chin with his foot because he didn't wear boots. So he pulled my my uh, head over to him and he looked at me and he said, what's the matter, boy, you know, puke today. And I said, uh, well, Mr. Matsuda, I said, uh, honestly, I haven't eaten anything since the last time I puked. And I saw him turn his head real quick and I could see his ears lift up. So I thought, hey, that might be pretty good. I think I made him smile. <laughs> so he, he took it a little easier on me after that, Paul. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, out of way over 100 people, I would say 110, 120 people, most of them left without their clothes. The only two other people that stayed was Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan. Everybody left. I mean, Danny Spivey left. Um, um scott hall um did you feel you know, there was something to prove because you were smaller in stature as well did you feel that there was like maybe doubts or something because obviously wrestling was the land of the giants and stuff like that and you are athletic and well built and everything but kind of smaller compared to some of those guys um yeah i mean um you know being uh, i was six feet um uh, 215, 220 pounds when I first started in high school, uh, my senior year in high school training. And then I got up to about 225. Uh, I was playing football and well, you know, I got a football scholarship and, um, and then, um, you know, I was eating as much as I could working out hard and uh, still, you know, Orndorff came in, he's about the same height. And, uh, but he was like 260 and ripped and strong as an ox and i knew how to wrestle i've been wrestling all my life since junior high school um and um middle school and so wrestling came very natural naturally for me and so did hooking and we learned like um uh, one of my really good hooking teachers besides matsuda gordon nelson was carl gotch 
Um, you've probably heard of Carl Gotch. He's infamous from the school of Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Carl could just, um, he, he could make anybody scream. And even as he was older, he was a tough son of a gun. And um, he either liked you or didn't like you. And fortunately, he liked me because I worked hard. I always had a strong work ethic. And, um, you know, I did a lot of tapping. Believe me, there was a lot of tapping and um, a lot of screaming because they'd bend you in places your body just wasn't made to bend. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, kind of jumping around a little bit, because obviously most people in the world know you from your runners, the, the Killer Bees with, uh, with Jim. But uh, some people may not know that you had previous runs in the WWF uh, before, uh, you know, the run with uh, with Jim. And it seemed that sort of like 83, 84 run, you were kind of like, from my point of view, almost like the workhorse that would go out and have the kind of long match and the sort of match that would either set the tone for the rest of the night or be like that sort of, what would be classed as like, say, the Intercontinental title match, the sort of workers match sort of thing. Right. Um, As a matter of fact, now that, as you say that, um, Vince Sr., he's the one that, um, well, when you read the book, you understand, but um, my mom called me Bieber. When I was young, she had a nickname for me, Bieber, and my brothers and sisters all called me B. Um, and one day, my mother called up the Sportatorium before my first match. It was a tag match. I was wrestling Ivan Koloff and Pat Patterson, and Skip Young was my partner. And Buddy Colt was um, uh, very um, instrumental in breaking me into the business. Um, you know, I was uh, very hungry and um, wanted to be a professional wrestler really bad. And um, anyway, make a long story short, my mom calls up the office and Charlie Lay, an older man, there's Charlie Lay, God bless him. Uh, he says, Buddy Colt, I heard somebody page Buddy Colt. And I was sitting in the in the um, locker room talking to the Briscoes, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Blackjack Mulligan, uh, you know, all these guys. And I'm just listening to them and uh, like a fly on the wall, just grateful to be there. And uh, Buddy comes in there laughing and he says, uh, listen, guys, listen, I just got a message from Mrs. Blair not to let anybody hurt her Bieber. Uh, make sure none of you guys hurt Bieber. And who's Bieber? Uh, uh, Brian Blair. It happens to be Bieber Brian Blair. And it went back and forth. Bieber, Beeper. And Dusty Rhodes started calling me Beeper. God damn, Beeper. How'd you get a name like Beeper? Well, it's really, I'm trying to explain. It's really B, B, just B. But uh, Vince McMahon Sr., he says to me, why do they call you all these names with a B? I said, well, and then I explained that to him. And he goes, well, I want you to be B, Brian Blair. He goes, I got a New York phone book here. And I'm looking at all kinds of Brian Blairs, but I don't see one B Brian Blair. I said, that's great, Vince. I said, that's fine with me, sir. And so he said, um, I want you to be B Brian Blair. And he says, when you leave uh, back to Florida, we're going to bring you back to compete for the, I want, I want you to be our intercontinental champion. And I said, wow, that's great. That's really exciting. And because um, Vince Jr. was an announcer then. Yeah. And um you know, soon um, I came back to Florida. Um, Vince Senior got was sick. Uh, finally, uh, Vince Junior rose up, took Vince Senior's place, and I got a call from uh, from uh, Terry Belay, Hulk Hogan, and he said, "Dave, Vince is creating a, um, a tag team um, 
um, division and he's going to really make it a serious division. And um, he was thinking about uh, tagging you with jumping Jim Brunzel. And he asked me if I knew Jimmy and I said, no, I've seen him on magazines and stuff like that. And, uh, I know he's a tag team wrestler and um, Terry had just come out of the AWA. Hulkster just came out of the AWA. And so, um, you know, and they're going around cherry picking all the talent. And here I am, the top talent in Florida. I'm the Florida heavyweight champion. I was a Southern heavyweight champion. And um, I, uh, I decided, you know, to go ahead and uh, come back and be a tag team wrestler before I had always, you know, enjoyed single matches, although you always wrestle tag matches. And, you know, I had been to Japan so many times and you're, you're always tag teaming in Japan. And uh, so I uh, met Jimmy and uh, we got along and still get along to this day. That's great. So how early on was the, Killer Bee's uh, idea brought to you, were you teaming up just in playing Black Trunks before that? And no. was it Killer Bee's largely because you were B Brian Blair? Or was that just like something Vince had in mind before that? No, the story, uh, the true story is we met in Brantford, Ontario at television and um, we're getting ready that to tag for the first time. And uh, George Scott, the booker comes up and he says, uh, after Jimmy and I had met each other, we're talking George, the animal steals there, Lanny Poffo, uh, a bunch of guys, George Wells, uh, the Bulldogs, um, all, all kinds of people. And so we're talking and um, um, George says, uh, listen, we need a catchy name for you guys. Uh, you know, uh, Blair Brunzel. I don't know. You guys think about it. I'll be back in about a half hour. You guys are on in about an hour and 15 minutes. So, you know, it's not like you got a long time to think of a name. So I, I always loved the Miami dolphins and, uh, you know, they were the only football team for a long time before the Buccaneers came in 76. And um, in 82, they had that killer bees defense with bomb Gardner and right. all the, all the linebackers last names began with Bonacani. They all began with a B, and so they were often referred to as the Killer Bees defense. So out of the clear blue, I'm thinking about this, and I said, how about the Killer Bees? And Jimmy kind of lit up the Killer Bees. I like that. And um, George Steele goes, yeah, you know, <laughs> Killer Bees. Anyway, George Scott comes back. He actually, he hadn't even left the room yet. And uh, um, I went and got George, no, George, George Steele went and got George, brought him back and uh, was working his gimmick in the locker room just to make everybody laugh. And uh, he said, uh, okay, what's up? Uh, I said, uh, how about the killer bees, George? He looks, he goes, killer bees, killer bees. He goes, I really like that. He goes, well, let me check with Vince. So he goes, comes back about, you know, 20 minutes later. He says, okay, you guys are officially the killer bees. Uh, Vince loves it. And I said, great. And all of a sudden, Lanny Poffo reaches in this hockey bag that he has. It has like 20 different pairs of uh, trunks in it. And he pulls out these black and yellow striped trunks. Beautiful. And yeah. we wore those trunks that very night. <laughs> Lanny had the trunks right there. So that's how the Killer Bees were born. You couldn't write anything like that. It's it's kind of a good job that um, it wasn't a little bit later on. Because obviously the marketing had started by then. But if you were the Killer Bees in like, say, 1994, you would have been dressed as bees 
you would have had beekeeping outfits as like a manager. You would have been, you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, we would have had all kinds of stuff. You know, for, I I wrestled for the UWF for the Universal Wrestling Federation, mm-hmm. and I had the Queen Bee as my valet, um, and uh, her name obviously was Honey, and uh, I still have the stinger, and there's a great <laughs> rib in there. I'll save it. <laughs> for the book but we pulled some great ribs with that stinger um because it was a real cattle prong i mean that that the i i used to work on a ranch on my grandfather's ranch every summer and um we would uh, round up cattle and stuff and i learned what a cattle prong was at a young age and these little cattle prongs you put four double d batteries in them and they'll i mean they make a bull jump so if they'll make a bull jump they'll definitely make a person jump and uh, <laughs> anyway a couple of people got stung with the uh, stinger. <laughs> yeah. I always like the idea uh, with Andre because uh, he did the Honey Loops commercial uh, in like, what, like 85, 86 or something like that. I always like the idea that there was like some kind of heat between the killer bees and Andre the Giant that they didn't get to do the, the Honey Loops advert, you know. Um, but <laughs> but we um, did some great commercials. We did Toyota commercials. We did all kinds of commercials. Oh, you did the uh, bring home all the action for the LGNs as well, which uh, yes. wait, did you go in the studio to sing or was it live performance to camera or? It was just live with the camera, you know, right there. Um, and, uh, you know, we got together and uh, we, we never went into a studio to sing. It was all, all from there. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the voices could have sounded better, but <laughs> it was all good. How did it feel? Cause obviously you, you came in, in a more traditional wrestling, um, time frame before all the marketing, all the merchandise, etc. When you came back for the killer bees run, how big and different did it seem and when you were getting suggested things like we want you to play saxophone while vincing stand back and stuff like that were you just open to anything sort of thing but without ruining the killer bees at that because you guys were immensely over i mean and we'll get into some of the bigger matches that you had you know it's just like ian said and um you know at one time we were the hottest team on the planet Mm -hmm. there was no tag team hotter than us and we were just ripe to win the belts and and jimmy will tell you this you know he sued vince a couple times at the wrong time he got fired from george by george scott um before we ever became the killer bees i didn't know that when uh in the carolinas and so they had heat before we were and jimmy had no idea that george scott was going to be our booker but george never liked jimmy and then um uh, the you know fact that uh greg Ganya signed Jimmy's name on a contract. And of course, uh, Jimmy had to sue over those uh, Remco action figures, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vince was, uh, that was when Jimmy was coming with me. And so Jimmy won that lawsuit against Vince. And so it was like, um, it's like when our t-shirts came, you know, Jimmy's a real straight shooter, you know, and, um, you know, here your boss comes up to you and shows you these t-shirts and he's all excited. You know, Vince Jr.'s got these killer B t-shirts, the ones that are behind me. And uh, I looked at him and I went, whoa, yeah, I like these. And Vince looks over at Jimmy and Jimmy's going, what the heck is that? What is that? You know, I'm, and I'm like, whoa, shoot, Jimmy, you know, you know I, I can see, you know, it just kind of peed Vince off. It was just always, 
you know, one thing or another would just, uh, it would just drive me nuts because, you know, I asked, I, I made the deal to get us the belts before we even came there. And so, you know, on all the promises, not, not even that promises, the next three promises, oh, the money's in the chase, the money's in the chase, you're going to win the belts. And I finally, I said, um, I, I pulled Vince in Salisbury, Maryland. And I said, uh, Vince, I said, uh, you know, uh, I've got a lot of life in the business if I want, or I can, um, be a businessman as I've always wanted to be, but I've got to give my notice right now because you promised me the belts three times. Uh, I don't have the belts and it's obvious the writing's on the wall. And he said, no, 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 don't, you don't. Have and he's trying to get me to stay. And I said, Vince, I said, uh, you know, let me go for a year and, um, you know, we'll stay close and whatever happens, happens. And uh, finally he was good with it. And, so I gave my notice in Salisbury, Maryland, and Jimmy wound up staying for a few years after that. Yes, he did. Um, there were, it's kind of interesting because there, there are uh, Jim uh, Brunzel matches as late as 1990, and once in a while he'll still bust out the, the black and yellow stripes. 92, um, I think. I yeah. Think um, 92. Yeah, so um, the, the last match that I recall seeing of the Killer Bees as a team was at the Milwaukee County Stadium. And I, I don't know if that was your last match as a team in WWF or not, but that was certainly the last that I saw on uh, television. It was August of 88, I think. Okay, so not long after that. Not yeah. long after that. So, I mean, at that point, because SummerSlam was just about uh, ready as well that month. Um, mm -hmm. So was was it kind of writing on the wall when you weren't going to be on that show or was the uh, decision? I, I had already given my notice. Right. So, so, you know, I was working on my notice, uh, working on my time after my notice. And, uh, you know, I had met a guy named Pete Grimkowski <clears throat> who owned Gold's Gym Corporate. And I wanted to, um, you know, be home. We had wrestled 67 days straight, um, just got off another um, you know, two months with no days off is ridiculous in five different countries. Um, and I was in Australia and, you know, my grandfather died, but he was like a hero to me and it just broke my heart. And then I'm listening to Jimmy talk to his wife and his kids are graduating from their junior high or elementary school little prom things or whatever they have uh, for the little kids. And he's talking to Mary and he's missing that. And it became depressing almost, you know, you're in a hotel room and uh, you're thousands of miles away from home. And, uh, you know, it's great. You know, you get up on the stage in a pair of modified underwear and you can make the people laugh, cry, whatever. And uh, that's a great feeling, but there's no place like home as, uh, <clears throat> you know, Dorothy said in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I guess it is kind of because the fact that you were the surviving team at the 87 Survivor Series, it felt like they were ready to go with you. And um, Tom Zenk and Martel, they probably would have went with them at one point, but obviously Tom Zenk left and then Martel was kind of struggling. But then all of a sudden Tito stepped into that role. So did without like getting heat on anyone, did you feel like Strike Force kind of took the role that the Killer Bees was going to have at that point? Um, yeah, they actually did. Uh, and, um, but there was no heat. I mean, I've been friends with Tito forever and mm. still friends with uh, Merced. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't have heat with anybody. That's just business. You know, whatever your boss decides is what you have to roll with. I don't, I've never been, 
there's a lot of guys in the business that get mad, you know, and always want to protect their spot and don't want any young, don't want to put the younger guys over or whatever the case may be. But um, I've always been business and looked at it like a business and, and therefore I've been successful in the business, very successful in the business. I've, you know, I'm still in the business. I still do things that I'm very, very active in the business with the Cauliflower Alley Club. I mean, we, we give away hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, um, uh, uh, each year we, we probably given away, I don't know, $90,000 already, uh, this year, um, you know, to guys that have fallen on difficult financial times. And so it just, it does me a world of good to know that we're helping, uh, guys, cause we're all connected, you know, even if you didn't wrestle in the same territory or if you wrestle in, uh, AEW and you wrestle in WWE, we're all connected. You know, if you guys, if we all don't keep working hard and, and making sure that our matches are quality and that, that people want to watch our product, then we're only hurting each other. Uh, if we don't, and we're only helping each other when we do, when we do work hard, when we do do what we need to do. And so therefore we're connected. And um, that's how I feel so connected in the Cauliflower Alley Club. We help people, guys that, um, you know, I may have never worked with um, uh, or been in the same uh, territory, if you will. Um, but I know them, uh, you know, we, we kind of know each other through word of mouth or through the magazines or things like that. So, um, you know, it's always nice to, to give uh, somebody a hand up that needs it because, you know, everybody needs a hand up sometime, whether it's financially or, uh, you know, emotionally, whatever the, whatever the case may be. It's a wonderful thing that you do with the Cauliflower Alley Club because, I mean, it's great that things like Legends contracts exist with WWE, but it's also just as great that, like, pro wrestling tees exists and things like Cella and uh, all the conventions that go on as well. And in a lot of cases, it gives, like, a second lease of life to some guys, it seems. Not, ju not just financially, but, like, emotionally as well, that they get to reconnect. And, uh, you know, not to end this on a downer, but, you know, guys are starting to go now and it's just you know it's great that you know they get to see each other and um it, it always seems like a wonderful thing i wish there was more of that in the uk because uh some of the better conventions i've seen are in america and i wish i could go to all of them um but this is why i do a podcast you see because i get to chat with guys and it's a lot yeah of fun. yeah well I, you know i really want to go to the uk and uh, oh, would love that's that. one of the one of the places uh on my bucket list uh where I will go to eventually, um, whether it's with the wrestling industry or just uh, with my wife, you know, I'll uh, uh, I'll get there one way or the other. But um, let me know. I will buy lunch. I will buy a oh, lunch if you come. Yeah, so I, I I've I've met a lot of people, you know, doing the podcasts and things all over, and um, you know, people in um, in Ireland and uh, just did a podcast not too long ago from Ireland and um, uh, just all over, but. You know, I've been to so many places. I've been to places where most people have never heard of. I mean, have you ever heard of, um, let me think of one, um, uh, Koala, let me see, Koala Lumpur. I was uh, in Kota Kintabalu uh, <laughs> in Malaysia on the island of Sabah. And never heard of it. I know the country, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 in truth be told, in the book, there's uh, actual, there's pictures, there's a ticket from there tickets were a hundred bucks and we had a riot an unbelievable riot there 
Frenchie Martin was a classic. Oh <laughs> gosh, we we had a great time. But you know, there's stories from all around the world like that, and uh, you know, people don't realize. Um, how um, blessed we are to be in a democratic society um, and uh, a democracy um, versus uh, a socialistic type country. And um, it's, uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, you can make, uh, you can make, you can be whatever you want to be and nobody's holding you down or telling you you have to be this that or the other you go into places like uh, uh, malaysia or singapore and um, you get off the plane and first thing you see is death for dada death for drugs you pick up the newspaper uh one of their military guys got hung for having uh, a half an ounce of marijuana he got yeah. hung i mean th that's pretty serious um we are lucky. We are lucky to be living where we are, certainly. Yeah. It's who I think are coming with Chella. Um, See, that hasn't been put out there yet, so that may get... <laughs> may yeah, get I mean, out. well, it's not a done deal, but uh, okay. it's, being, it's, being, it's being worked on right now. But um, ask them if you ever talk to them, Paul, about that. I took them on several tours with me because uh, I booked a lot of tours. And, um, you know, we've been to Russia. We've been all over the place. And uh, they were in Singapore and down right across from the room they were staying in was the prison. And they would put somebody out on the street every day, a different person, and they would cane them, cane the crap out of them. You know, God knows what they did, but, you know, like public floggings. So, um, yeah, you talk about traveling uh, all over the world. And uh, one of the more interesting uh, shows I've ever seen was the uh, Puerto Rico show from 1985, I think, where it was raining heavily. Yes. Um, <laughs> so what, were, you, what were your experiences of that? Yeah. <laughs> well, most people don't know that I had knee surgery three days, three days for that match. Mm -hmm. And we didn't, nobody knew it was going to rain. And so Jimmy was just going to do everything. Vince was adamant that I was there. And I, I had a doctor's excuse for two weeks off, even though it was just a scope. You know, you're not even with a scope, you know, you can still mess the whole thing up. And uh, it, so here we are in Puerto Rico and all of a sudden, you know, the sky opens up and God pours the rain down upon us. And I mean, it is coming down. And uh, you, you obviously saw the match, but what most people didn't realize besides the fact that I just had knee surgery was that that ring was slicker than al manure. It was, I mean, it was dyed red. So the dye was coming off on people's ring attires. And yeah, the matches were short once that uh, ring. Was, hey, Paul, it was so slippery. I mean, it was yeah. so slippery. I, you had to walk like you're walking on ice. And I, I just knew that, you know, everything that I just had done was going to be messed up, but by the grace of God, everything was fine. And, uh, we got through the match, but that was crazy, um, wrestling in the driving rainstorm like that. Is that the worst condition you've ever wrestled in? Um, as far as, uh, rain, yes, but I've wrestled in, I've wrestled in an arena that was 47 degrees. Oh. 47 degrees in Hokkaido, Japan. And I mean, it, it was so cold, brother. I mean, it was so cold. Here I am in a pair of modified underwear, and that's all. And when and the Japanese love to chop. And, 
you know, when you're that cold and they chop you, oh God, that's hard. You know, it's, and you don't want to chop them back because it hurts. <laughs> it hurts too. <laughs> Everything hurts. You know, I, I mean, it hurts anyway being out there, the things we do, but then it's just doubly worse when it's, you know, 40, 47 degrees in the, in the arena. That's what they told us it was. It was 47. It was probably 35, but you know, oh. they tried to cheer us up and tell us it was 47, but <laughs> it was terrible. There was snow outside, icicles everywhere. Hokkaido was beautiful though. I very quickly as going, Akasaka was driving the bus and on the way up, I've never seen this before, but he pulled over to the side and the bears were catching the salmon right out of the street. Oh, wow. wow. How, how yeah. cool is this? I've never seen that. And so, that was great. You know, such experience in wrestling. You know, we flew into Russia. Oh, God, they didn't even take our passports. They put us in a in a box like and um, I was with the Samoans um, and Bam Bam Bigelow. You know, I've been with Scott Bam Bam Bigelow overseas on, on foreign tours more than more than anybody. And, um, um, you know, Scott was great. Uh, we had a great time in Russia just a wonderful time but you know just all over the world you know holding koala bears and um you know having guys like uh, george thoroughgood and los lobos being such wrestling fans that you know they do anything i mean um george thoroughgood said to brunzi and i he said hey is there any way you can get us a ticket to the matches i said you know jimmy and i of course we love george thoroughgood we couldn't believe he was standing there so uh yeah of course you know and so um, we wrestled in Sydney twice. And so both nights in Sydney, we had George sit inside of the barricade, you know, inside of the, right next to the corner post. Hmm. So he was like a kid in the candy shop. And uh, sorry about that. Uh, never leave your cell phone on in it. <laughs> it's okay. It's a catchy uh, yeah. ring tune. Yeah. There you go. So anyway, uh, we have, we have, we've had lots of fun. Lots yeah. of fun. The, um, there was a DVD that came out in 2002 of an Australian show that WWF put on called Global Warming. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but on the extras, there's free matches from the 1986 tour and the Killer Bees is on one of those um, on one of those matches. So, yeah, you guys really did wrestle all over the world. And uh, the, uh, the Puerto Rico show is not available on the network currently, but I love it because it rains so heavily that Gorilla Monsoon has to have like a plastic sheet over his head. And he's <laughs> announcing from rent, but he's doing the ringing announcing as well. And Wendy Richter, her music's playing for like 10 minutes and she doesn't come out and they've left it unedited. And I'm just like, what, what happens? Like what happened to Wendy Richter for 10 minutes? But um, I don't think she liked the rain. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. She yeah. didn't want to get her hair wet. That's yeah, amazing. She didn't want to get her hair wet. <laughs> but they insisted on getting through all the matches, and Pedro obviously was the uh, the main event, and it was like a twenty second match at best because right. all the crowd are running away at this point, and it's it's such a hilarious show, but dangerous, I can imagine. So, a couple of questions about your ring gear uh, before we wrap up, because I'm just intrigued by this. Who made your jacket? I love that jacket. Um. um well, we have several, there's actually three that look a little different, but, okay. um, um, Olivia Walker, Mr. Wrestling Two, Yes. Uh, Johnny Walker, his wife. Oh, she's got, she had such a good eye for, uh, designs. Yeah. She did Ric Flair's, um, she did, um, uh, Paul Orndorff's, uh, she also did, um, um, Lex Luger's. Oh, wow. I, I stand by this, that especially in HD now, sequins are 
vastly missing from wrestling. Not yes. enough people wear sequins and rhinestones, I think. Ah, <laughs> oh, the rhinestone cowboy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one of the when you wrestled in Milwaukee at the county stadium, um, you went from short trunks to kind of like knee length sort of cycling shorts. Was there a decision? Was it just changing up the look a little or actually actually Jimmy's very creative and Jimmy Brunzel is very creative. And um, you know, he would always suggest, you know, uh, it was his idea to wear tennis shoes. Um, and I remember the young bucks not long ago, uh, maybe six months ago, saying that they were the innovators, that they wear tennis shoes in the ring, but the killer bees wore tennis <laughs> shoes long before the young bucks were, they were still, uh, pooping green in their diapers when yeah. they were wearing tennis shoes in there. Oh, amazing. Well, um, truth be told, um, is still available on Amazon and it was, uh, voted, it was in the contention for book of the year as well. It came, if it didn't come first, it came like second, I think. And, yeah, uh, it was, it was great. It was great. And, um, it's, it, it's, it's great to be, you know, recognized like that and, um, to look on Amazon and you see, you've got a five-star rating and to see what people wrote and, and the reviews on the book, it looks like I paid somebody and I really didn't. <laughs> they just wrote those reviews mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's really awesome. And, but, um, uh, you know, another book through uh, WHW publishing as well as the uh, Brutus Beefcake book. And it starts with his accident. And uh, you were there for that. And uh, without giving anything away, and I, I, I talked to Kenny about this and to and to Brutus, it's so gory. Like, you can't believe how gory it is. But there's such a, a morbid sense of humor throughout the book as well uh, when he's writing this as well. And you almost feel bad for laughing at some of the things that are written. But Kenny Casanova said, oh, I wanted to inject some humor into it. And somehow during this awful situation, they were able to inject some humor into this, but it's, it, I can't imagine what that day was like um, and how awful it, it was. It was really, really rough. I mean, yeah. I wrote the truth of the whole story is in uh, Truth Be Told. Um, and you can also get that uh, book besides Amazon at thekillerbees.net. Uh, you can get all kind of merchandise at thekillerbees.net. But uh, the, uh, and you can get, them signed personally as well the, I was gonna ask. Yeah. Uh, when when i pulled brutus out of the water he was he was drowning and and the guy named paul uh uh came up to the, got up to the bank i was yelling at him paul paul help me uh so he he came and um i had his head out of the water and paul helped me like the last few feet and so i'm beating Brutus on the back of the, on his back, trying to get the water out of him, out of, out of his throat, clearing his throat. And he's kind of coming to, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying, Beaver, open your mouth. And he goes, it is, it is. You know, he's saying my mouth is open. He was trying to say that. He goes going, it is, it is. And I reached in, this is no kidding. And I took my fingers and I opened, I had to lift his teeth it was broken all the way from here. His top teeth fell on top of his bottom teeth. Can you imagine his whole top uh, skull right here was fractured, broken, and dropped onto his top teeth. So I opened his mouth, and I made sure all of his air passages were clear. And, um, you know, the ambulance finally got there, and, God, it was it was very scary. It, it was brutal. Yeah. I, I can I can only imagine. Um, and 
you know, Brutus, I think it's kind of amazing that he has almost a sense of humor about it now. And back in, I can't even imagine not funny at the time, but you've, you've got a different view from Brutus because he obviously can't remember a lot of this. There's you no saw it all. Remember what happened to him. He was and, knocked out. Yeah. Oh, um, but I'm sure he remembers a lot of stuff afterwards. And then when he went to the hospital, you know, I, I didn't see him in the hospital. I know Hogan went and saw him in the hospital. Uh, Terry told me when he went and saw him because we're all really close. You know, it's kind of yeah. close-knit circle. We're all Tampa uh, boys, um, Tampa Bay boys, and if you will, Tampa Bay men, whatever, and Tampa Bay buddies. And uh, um, Terry said that, you know, he was in really, really bad shape when he saw him in that first time in the hospital. And you know, they didn't know if he was going to speak right again, if he had brain damage, all kinds of stuff. But he has, I don't know how many plates and screws in his in his skull right here. Yeah. But wrestling being wrestling, of course, they turned it into an angle. And <laughs> it feels like nothing's off limits in wrestling. You know, no, if, if money can be made from an angle, then do it, even if your face is being completely crushed in. But, yeah. oh. But um, so um, yeah, I want to thank you for uh, spending some time uh, with the official Chala Toys podcast. This figure, I, I have the other Killer Bees figures as well, and uh, it it could be said that these Killer Bees are the ones that should have been made thirty odd years ago when that that series of figures was being made at the time, the post LJN uh, sort of thing. So they're going to fit in with so many figures that are coming out, not just from Chella, but from back then as well. And uh, yeah, bring home all the action with the, uh, the killer bees uh, double it. pack and uh, got to get them signed as well. I'm, I'm, you know, using my privileged position as Chella host to, um, and I'm assuming they're going to be on the website and through Chella.net as well. And no, no date announced yet, but um, the artwork looks incredible and has nothing but great reviews and everything else as well. So I recommend that everyone not only buys this figure, but does check out uh, Truth Be Told as well. And um, yeah, I want to thank okay. you again for taking part. Thank you, Paul. And please, everybody, check out the Cauliflower Alley Club. You can join for twenty-five dollars, and, and uh, you know all the all the dollars we raise, one hundred percent, Paul, go to help wrestlers that fall on difficult financial times. And it's just such an honor to be a, a part of the Cauliflower Alley Club. You can go to caulifloweralleyclub.org and. Uh, you can come to our reunion. It's very inexpensive. If you can get to the States for, for a reasonable price, it's very inexpensive. It's in Vegas. Uh, Vegas is always fun. Uh, we're at the Plaza Hotel and Casino, newly remodeled. Uh, $39 a night hotel rooms, $150 for the, 100, for the entire event. Uh, it's a blast. Uh, inexpensive. And again, all the money goes to help uh, people that have fallen on difficult financial times. That's wonderful. I thought it was just for the boys. I didn't realize that the public could. Uh, no, could, it's, uh, it's, it's for fans. It's for everyone. Anybody can be a member of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, in other words, the boys get honored. For example, uh, this year at the Cauliflower Alley Club, uh, we have uh, Memphis Mania on Tuesday night. Jerry the King Lawler will get the President's Award. Uh, Tommy Rich will get a Men's Wrestling Award. You have the um, uh, Christine Jarrett. Uh, Teeny, who was instrumental in the Tennessee ter Territory, and Jeff Jarrett, her, her um, protege, nephew, will be pre uh, presenting her award. And uh, you've got uh, the Rock and Roll Express and so many others. We've got JBL. We've, we've got just a, a Conan um, and just a, a ton of a ton of people. 
to be honored. It's 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 such a fun time. It's you go there one time, you're addicted. Forget it. You, you, you just can't <laughs> wait till the next one. Uh, that's wonderful. What we'll was like having a cello action figure? You know, once you get one cello action figure, you got to collect them all. There you go. See, and we'll be talking uh, with future guests more about the color, uh, cauliflower alley club as well. And we'll post links before uh, below the show as well. And we'll uh, keep everyone informed. And uh, again, I want to thank you all and thank everyone listening to the official cello toys podcast. And we will see you all next time. Thank you.